living by yourself Southern Rock Podcast, a southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome back to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. We're very thankful for all your participation on the Facebook page, sharing that music with us. Uh, downloading the podcast, listening to us, being fans, helping us, uh, supporting us. Uh, we thank you very much for that. Always with me is Jason. What's up, man? Hey, Brian, what is up with you? I am doing a okay. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, September has been a great month, uh, weather very warm, very well, warm it, in Ohio. It's been perfect. It's been perfect here where it hasn't been humid this month, it hasn't been too cold. There's probably like one day I can think of where it was like mm-hmm. cloud cover and rainy. So it's been great dog walking weather. Uh, and uh, it's great getting back into the swing of the podcast since we had all that stuff built up from from uh, yeah. Nashville. And now we're getting back into the swing of things and we got so many artists lined up. So that is great. Um, we do. Uh, and it was also nice to have a break because believe it or not, people, Brian and I get tired after. You. <laughs> <laughs> it's so taxing. This is not all we music. do with our drag. Lives. We drag. work, we have wives, we have animals. There's, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> but this is the fun part of what we do. Though. Right. So we're going to talk uh, about Minnesota and uh, we've realized and we've known for a long time. And then we re-realize how many great artists, especially have come out of Minneapolis. Who can you think yeah. of Jason? <laughs> I can think of a lot. Um, right. We, well, we start with the top, right. Prince, right. Prince is the end all be all of a lot of things. And we have him. Uh, we have the replacements, obviously very famous. Um, we've got Husker Du. We have Morris Day in the Time, right? He was he was Prince's buddy in Purple Rain movie, which you'll hear hear about. Um, and we have um, Soul Asylum, who came from Minnesota. What else? What else? What am I missing? Uh, we got the Jayhawks. The Jayhawks. Uh, oh, that's right. Babes in Toyland. Um. Some of the girls in Vixen, well, I think their Vixen was, I, I read for, I don't know how, why, but I read uh, their uh, Wikipedia and they started in Minneapolis or some of the girls in the band started in Minneapolis. Wow. So really Minnesota is a pretty hotbed for entertainment. And one of my favorite shows of all time is in the, is in Minnesota in the Minneapolis area. And that's Mystery Science Theater 3000. Right on. And also, uh, Minneapolis is a good uh, place that uh, blues bands are traveling through um, from Chicago, of course, uh, very, not a huge long drive between Minneapolis and Chicago. So you got a lot of uh, blues bands uh, coming through there. And then uh, more back in the day, they were coming coming through Grand Forks. And also, uh, not far from Minneapolis is the city of Duluth, uh, Duluth and Superior, the Twin Ports. Uh, right on the, the western tip of Lake Superior. Uh, Duluth 
uh, when I lived there, I lived there from August of 2002 till uh, the end of February of 08. And there were, a, you know, a great, you know, really pretty good, decent uh, local music scene. Uh, there's a band that uh, we're going to talk to called Boku Frequency. That's like a funk band, funk blues kind of thing. Uh, there was a band called the Hoot Owls that were like a Dick Dale, Hot Rod, Surf kind of band, 50s-ish kind of uh, rockabilly hot rod band that was really good. Max Dakota and Modern Life. It was more like a jazz soul kind of thing going on. Uh, there was a, a blues band called Azure de Jour. De Jour. Uh, there was a blues, ba blues band uh, called Blues Evolution. There was one called Snake Oil Doctors. Um, one band that I really liked a lot, along with Boku Frequency, was a band called uh, Both Barrels that now is called Virgil Kane. And uh, we just happened uh, to have our guest uh, on this episode today, the singer harp player from Virgil Kane. And would you like to tell the listeners who that is? Yeah, it's uh, Mr. Mark Holly from Virgil Kane, who's been a longtime blues artist. He plays harmonica, harp, and sings. And uh, Brian, you've run across paths with him. You know, I have, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I got to know those guys a little bit when I lived there and I used to, uh, I used to go out with my little camcorder and, and uh, record video in there. They, they, and they probably still have public access. And I think that was pretty much the precursor to YouTube. And I had a show uh -huh. called Jam and Twinport style. Still got some of that video and eventually I'm going to get some of that stuff on the Facebook page. Uh, just one Facebook camera, and our wide, YouTube you know, channel. Get yeah. it on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, they were called Both Barrels at that point, and uh, now they're changed to Virgil Kane. But uh, they're just a, a great blues band. Uh, as you guys will hear coming up, you'll hear all about Mark's knowledge of the blues, his experience uh, living in New York City for a while, Chicago a couple different times, and Minneapolis. And he knows all these old cats, and you're going to find out, you know, some of the older classic blues artists that he knew and got to see and play. And it, it just was. Uh, incredibly wonderful time talking to him indeed i mean we're all going to enjoy it i love uh these dudes who have a lot of history and music and can spin stories and tell us uh tell us about people they knew that i never knew about and it's also great to finally uh get to uh you know premiere some artists like in this kind of region area uh minnesota you know we'll eventually have someone from north dakota on a couple people coming up uh, but until then, uh, just kick back and uh, relax and enjoy our conversation with Mark Howley, uh, lead singer and harmonica player uh, from Virgil Kane. Welcome back to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast, the guest segment, I must uh, emphasize. And as you guys know, I always pitch uh, over to Jason to tell us who our guest is today. Thank you, Brian. It is my pleasure, as always, to introduce the guest for the week. 
Uh, we have somebody from your neck of the woods. Finally, Brian, we get to talk some geography and music in, in your neck of the woods. But we are very excited to have on Mr. Mark Howley, the uh, vocalist from the band Virgil, Virgil Kane. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing well. How are things there in Cotton? Well, they're, uh, they're kind of quiet. You know, I like to hang out up here in the quiet. And then I like to get out in town and get, get a little blabber and smoke and then come home again. <laughs> so cotton minnesota like is there cotton fields there how do we come up with the name cotton minnesota because i don't you know, think I, minnesota, found out I don't think they, cotton i found out that they actually named it after an attorney oh, oh man if your name is cotton and you're an attorney you're probably like shady yeah i well aren't they all <laughs> good point but <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's a, it's a small little community and uh, I like it. I, the first time I moved up here, I got 40 acres for uh, 50 bucks down, 50 bucks a month. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What's that go for now? Well, I just bought a place uh, on the river with the White Face River on three sides for $80,000. Prices have gone up a little. Yeah, a little bit. But, you know, good, good business then. Are, not only are you music, you're real estate. Well, you know, I I, um, I like to do things with money, and I like land. It's a, it, they're not making any more of it. <laughs> That's a good uh, point. You know, it's a finite resource. I, it it makes me a lot uh, calmer than the stock market, and not a yeah yeah. Yeah, I hear that especially right now, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a little it's a little iffy right now. You know, back in the day, it used to be a, you know, crooks wore a striped shirt and had a it needed a a mask a burglar mask and needed to shave now they're all wearing suits and they're awful happy to see you yes right <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna like mark here brian i'm gonna, I'm gonna like mark quite a bit <laughs> it's, it's uh, been good to get back in touch with you mark of course i lived in duluth for about five and a half years from august uh, 2002 to uh to uh end of february 2008 and uh watch you guys play when you guys used to be both barrels and uh, talk to you, and that was that was uh, very very good times, and so it's good to reconnect with you. But uh, we'll just start out with the the usual thing, and you know, when did you get your start in music, and how did that lead into playing in the bands? Well, uh, my uh, grandfather on my mother's side was a keyboard player and a trumpet player in a big band era. Stage name is Jimmy Rose. And uh, we'd go visit, and I was his first grandchild, and he'd say hi to everybody, and then he'd wait for an opportunity. He'd say, come on downstairs. He had a piano down there. He's retired at that time. And uh, he'd sit me down next to him, and he'd say, do it like this when you grow up, man. Just have some fun with it. And he'd play stride piano. And I was uh, awful excited about how much fun he was having. And um, my dad also, around that same time, took me to an auto show and uh, they had music there and it was Louis Armstrong and he had me on his shoulders and I was right up in front and I was completely fascinated with that. And I thought that everybody involved with the music business was just having a lot of fun and I wanted in. So I got old enough, like 13, you know, the Stones and the Beatles were doing their thing and I liked the Stones. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, I got together with some other guys, and we were terrible. 
Thank God there was no monitors back then. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. We played a lot of junior high parties. and My dad didn't like it. He'd pick me up if he found out I was playing. He'd come get me. But oh, really? He, yeah, he apologized for that later. <laughs> <laughs> so but, you were having a band in junior high and, and playing the junior high functions. Oh, yeah. We were doing that and house parties and stuff. You know, what were you playing? Were you playing like Beatles pop stuff? What were you guys doing? Uh, we were doing like Stones, Yardbirds. Then we kind of oh, got wow. into, yeah. Then we got into like uh, some other stuff, some Bo Diddley stuff, and uh, you know the usual stuff that was floating around then. You know, you know, uh, Gloria stuff like that. You know, we were just finding our way. It was a lot of like fun. a blues based. It sounds like you were doing blues. I mean, the Stones, you know, Foundation, the Blues. You're talking, um, you know, is it, is it was that your focus? Because I know you do blues stuff now. Well, my I just really dug the Stones. I was a big yeah. Stones fan. And uh, after living there, we moved to Chicago, about 60 miles out in a town called Crystal Lake. And I started playing with some kids there. And me and my buddy Jim Reed went down to Old Town there. And uh, I walked into this place and I said, you know, I this hippie uh, record shop. And I said, you know, can you tell me if you have any records by McKinley Morganfield? And he didn't even look up off the comic book he was reading. He just said, that's Muddy Waters, dumbass. <laughs> 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 so I ate a little crow and I walked out of there with a whole stack of <laughs> albums. And uh, I never really looked back. I've played in rock and roll bands for money, yeah. but uh, I was always a uh, uh, real fond of the blues. Well, Chicago is a terrible blues town. I mean, how would you ever learn to play the blues there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, it was a lot of fun. We, there used to be a, a place called uh, Alice's Revisited, a coffee house. Uh -huh. And we went down there and, and it was a, it, you could get in because they didn't serve liquor. And uh, it was a place where you sat on the floor. There's a lot of hippies hanging around at that time. And uh, the wolf played there. And he was a kind of a scary guy, man. He was an old man. And they started out playing a tune called 300 Pounds of Heaven and Joy. Pushed a big easy chair out on stage. And it was near the end of his life, I believe. And uh, he was he made a SM57 Sure microphone look like a golf tee. He was huge. <laughs> And he, and he was sitting down in a chair by the end of the show. He was standing up and blowing great harp. And just, he just was an extremely fierce individual. But uh, yeah, there was that. And then we snuck, got a little older and snuck into the quiet night. You know, uh, that, that was owned by James Cotton, a really great harp player from there. And uh, I met John Lee Hooker. I asked him if I could buy him a drink and he thought that was pretty amusing. It was like wow. Tuesday night and there wasn't a lot of people there. <laughs> so he sat down with me. He goes, yeah, I'll have a drink. He goes and bring my friends a couple of pops. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really understand much. He had, a, he had a super heavy, thick black accent and I was from yeah. the suburbs. I just kept, you know, grinning and nodding my head. <laughs> <laughs> So what, what year was this about, Mark? What time? Oh, man, I knew you were going to ask me. Uh, I tried to figure that out. I don't know. I was in high school. It was probably late 70s or late, yeah. late uh, 60s. 
Okay. Yeah. But it was a, it was a cool time in music down there. Is that how you got into playing harmonica or the harp? Is because you were around all those guys in Chicago that were that were influential? I was playing it before that, and my okay. driver, my driver on that was my dad wouldn't buy me a guitar. <laughs> and we already had a guitar player. So I decided I was a singer and a harp player, and I kind of bullshitted my way into a job. <laughs> <laughs> and I I I uh started listening to guys like uh the guy in Canned Heat, Alan Wilson, who's mm -hmm. an unsung hero. I think he was one of the best harp players ever. And, you know, and all that stuff. And I got interested in it. I copied that entire Canned Heat album with the, where they're sitting around a sterno can. I think that might have been their first album. And I got interested in it. And I, I kind of took it apart and dissected it. Paul Butterfield and all those guys. You know? Yeah. Fun. I enjoyed it. So what, what happened like when you're playing in Chicago, that where, where did you go then after that next? Where's your journeys take you? Well, I had a friend back in, back in Minneapolis from when we had lived there. And he called me up and he said, I got a band back together. Why don't you come and play? So I said, sure. So I took all the money I had and I got on a plane and went to Minneapolis and we had a band called the Dictators. We played all over, and and then it morphed into a, a horn band called Night Train, and did all kinds of stuff with those guys. That's, you said a horn band, like you know, all like brass horn. Like what are we doing? Oh yeah, yeah. We had a nine-piece horn band and a Whoa. Chevy school bus with a two-speed rear end. What kind of music were you guys playing? Like big band music or jazz or what were you doing here? We were playing blues and uh, R and B. You know, a lot of yeah, yeah, okay. You know, that stuff's difficult to sing. Yeah, and you're singing, playing harp with them. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Nine yeah. piece brass. That's that's do you have any recordings or somewhere we could go to hear some of that? We don't I don't have one recording of that band. Oh. We just we just traveled, man. We we yeah. we come home about once every three, four months and rest, heal up for a week and just uh we just traveled. We were a working band. Sure. Which is what I've been most of my life as a working musician. Yeah. Yeah. When you're not flip, you know, buying homes in Minnesota and well, that's later on. I didn't have I didn't have a nickel back then. <laughs> you were like a little bit like the dirty dozen brass band then. I'm I'm guessing a little bit. Are you familiar with those guys? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I am. Well, we just did uh, you know, everything from uh Howlin' Wolf stuff with horns on it to whatever was floating by. We did some funk stuff. You know, it was a long time ago. And uh, that that band was fun. And uh, but I, I got burned out after yeah. a while. Yeah, we, we you know, we'd, we'd uh, everybody dug it and everything. But at the end of the day, nine pieces is a lot of mouths to feed. Sure. We shrunk it back down. And then I just became uh fatigued and I moved up here. What do you recall about the scene in Minneapolis at that time? Oh man, it was killer, man. Uh, the Caboose Bar. That's People still there, right? Yeah. It is still there. I was just in there last year. They still have music. And uh, they had uh, all kinds of people coming through there. Albert Collins, uh, Albert King, 
Freddie King, mm-hmm. all these people, Sleep at the Wheel. I mean, and the music was killer. And a lot of my friends, I played down there. And then a lot of my friends did. Um, the Bingham Brothers, one of them uh, started Lamont Cranston. I, know, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that was one brother of these Bingham Brothers. That was Bob Bingham. We're still great friends. And so, and I'm really great friends with his brother, Charlie, who is a, a, a guitar player in the Hoop Snakes for okay. their duration. Yeah. Okay. I saw, I saw Buddy Guy and Eric, Eric Johnson and Buddy Guy at the Caboose. Yes. In like the early yeah. 90s or mid 90s, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff going on down there. It was really a neat club. No, speaking- it was a hotbed of music, Brian, right in the oh. 70s and 80s, like Minneapolis. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, like the replacements and Prince and all, like a bunch of people really come out of that scene. They did. Now, speaking um, of uh, touring regionally, the, you know, we talked about, did you ever, did you ever come through Grand Forks, North Dakota? And if so, yeah. did you ever play at Briggs Landing or before that it was called the River Queen? Do you remember any of that? I played the River Queen. Okay. That's the place that had the stage come up out of the floor, wasn't it? Well, that was before I turned 21. I've heard all the stories about that, but by the time I turned 21, it was Briggs Landing. But I've heard all these great stories about the River Queen. Right and so did, uh, so did a lot of other guys. Bob and Charlie Bingham were in the same band, and they didn't get along very well. And the deal was this. You'd start playing, and then the stage would come up out of the floor. Okay. Well, the stage came up <laughs> out of the floor, and Bob and Charlie were in the middle of a fist fight, and the crowd found it very entertaining. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> true. <laughs> Why were they fighting? Oh, they didn't need much of a reason. <laughs> they didn't. They were both stellar guitar players, man. Wow. They still they, are. They were brothers, right? Yeah. They're like a Black Rose thing with like Chris and Rich Robinson? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They... I, I was lucky enough to play in a band with both of them. And I think I was about the only one, <laughs> you know, the, the only singer that ever got, they, a bunch of guys tried to, Doug Maynard, he was a mainstay in Minneapolis. He tried to talk them into it. They wouldn't do it. And I was just at the right place at the right time. It was the only band I was ever fired from actually. <laughs> no, you mentioned- why did they fire you? What's that? I said, why did they fire you? They found a guy named Cheetah from L.A. that they liked better. Which, of course. Dude. I mean, if, if you got a guy named Cheetah, you're going to put him in your band. Yeah, he was good, too. Now, you mentioned <laughs> Lamont Cranston. Um, yeah. So you saw those guys in their early early days. I've heard that uh, they opened for the Stones in 81 at some point. They did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Charlie told me that Mick came in the came in the dressing room, introduced himself. He says, hey, I love your, I love your stuff. He says, when they start hollering for us, he says, just don't worry about it. Just do your thing. You guys are great. And he left. Right on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was kind of cool. So what happens for Minneapolis? Where do you go after that? Well, Bob and Bob Bingham and I had talked about, you know, guys like Lazy Bill Lucas and other black players they get old and, and these guys were highly intelligent, really good musicians. And they wound up leading Russ in a vacant lot, you know, they just had nothing. And we didn't want that to happen to us. <laughs> yeah. So we decided we were going to, a couple other guys were in on it too. You know, we were, we were talking to a couple other guys, but they didn't do it. And we did. 
you got a place up in Isabella right off of Lake Superior and, uh, you know, not too far from Lake Superior. Dave Walker from Crow grew up in that town too. But he, uh, he built a log house on Steam Hall Lake. He's the only house on that lake. And I moved to Cotton. And we both did the same. You know, we did the same thing. We got places, built houses, paid them off, and it freed us up to play. Right on. Yeah. So does that, that leads into playing in Duluth? And what time is this? What, what years are this? That was around 1980. Okay, wow. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I moved up there. I moved up here and... Uh, after a while, Bob and I got a band together. I'm trying to remember the name of it. The Kingpins. And we had uh, this cat, Joel Parsons, who's since passed, who was phenomenal. And that, that was a great band. It didn't last very long. Bob's volatile. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what happened. So what, what was Duluth like then, back then? Uh, Musically speaking, music scene-wise. It was it was starting to heat up. Uh, there was the uh, the Bellows, RT Quinlans, still there. Mister Pete's, yeah, RT's is still there, and uh, Mister Pete's, um, the bunch of other clubs, and then some in Superior, the Brass Rail, and uh, the Cove, and uh, there was a lot of music. There's always been a lot of music in the twin ports, you know? And I was in a band uh, with this guy, Greg Nelson, and we played like a blues, jazz, fusion kind of stuff. It was leaning toward Robin Ford kind of stuff for mm -hmm. lack of a better explanation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a fun band. And um, I did that for about five years. And there was all kinds of other stuff going on. It was, and then, by the time that band was over, I hooked up with an outfit called the Centerville All-Stars, which was yeah, a really, them, yeah. really good rock band. Yeah. And I learned a lot in that band. And uh, we had a blast. And, and other things were coming up. There was Rondo, this cat named Rondo, a really yeah. good guitar player. Yep, yeah, I know he is. Yeah, and then there was uh, Crazy Betty. I don't <laughs> even know how to describe them. They were I've fantastic. Heard of them, yeah. Yeah, and then the west end of town had the heavy metal guys out there. Right, you know? yep, yep. That's that's all you could. Blues band's never gone in there and come out alive. Is Husker <laughs> Du from Minnesota? Yes. Husker Du, yes, yeah. Minneapolis, yeah. Yeah, that's a Minneapolis thing. Soul yeah. Man, what a scene. A little bit of everything coming out of Minneapolis there in the 80s. There was. It was, a, it was really, uh, uh, the artistry was just on in high gear. Yeah. So why Minnesota? Like why Minnesota? Why Minneapolis? Like that's such a out of the way destination and cold. I couldn't really tell you. There was just a bunch of guys there that could play, and there was a bunch of people there that wanted to listen. Yeah, and it uh, it got it got huge. I remember I was playing uh, I was playing. They had a big thing down at Uncle Sam's, which is now First Street Station, which is a huge club down there, and it was a uh, uh, it was like a 4th of July thing, I think. And they had a back room with garbage cans full of booze and beer and food and everybody. And there was like eight bands all day. And we're like, yeah, who's that over there? You know, it's this little dude was with a bodyguard. 
and he had he was singing in a band called Champagne, a cover funk band, and it was Prince. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I don't know. <laughs> you know. Then turned into a monster. Was it? Was he a monster back then? Yeah, he was. He was good. Yeah, yeah. That'd yeah, be something, Brian. Seen Prince before he was Prince. Yeah, but he was Prince upstairs before anybody else. <laughs> One other person knew, he knew. Yep, and that's a guy who, I think now people are realizing how good of a guitarist and musician he actually was, you know, a lot more in depth than before. Cause um, he just, man, he he was super underrated or not appreciated for his guitar work, like in all the different things that he could do. I know, I, I, I believe that. There's a band called Daisy Dillman around and their bass player later on got a job at Paisley Park. And he said that uh, he was a maintenance guy there. And he said that he'd listen to him. He'd just come down to the studio with some guys or alone and just play guitar. And he said, I'll tell you what, that guy was just smoking hot. On yeah. It's yeah. crazy. And for you yeah. to run across him so early in his career, that's, that's amazing. Did you ever run across him ever again? No, I never did. Okay. I never did. Yeah. I came up here and kind of stayed up here. Yeah. I'd go down there and play. Right. On occasion. But mostly I stay up here. Okay. And, and, and the music business has kind of shrunk back, especially the blues business, but not up here. It's still, you know, we work, we work before COVID, we worked all the time. And then we started working after COVID and then we had to replace a guitar player and working another one in. So it's a little sparse right now, but it'll pick up after the first. Well, you didn't have to replace them because of COVID, did you? <laughs> no. No, go ahead, go ahead. Well, indirectly, yes. Because uh, Tommy is a, Tommy Watruba is his name. He's a really great guitar player and a mm -hmm. real good guy, but he lives alone. <laughs> and, and nobody bothered calling him. We couldn't practice. We practiced once, and, and our bass player's daughter came down with COVID. So we're like, nope, no, no more of this. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, he spent the entire time alone. And I called him maybe twice. I, I feel bad. I should have, and I think it uh, did something to him. Yeah, that's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, but he's now he does a solo thing, and he's happy doing that, and it sounds real good. Right on. When you were talking about Minneapolis earlier, I think one of the things that, you know, that city is like the biggest city, you know, above like Chicago or maybe Omaha and in between, mm -hmm. you know, maybe Milwaukee or Detroit and Seattle. So that's why I think there's such a congregation there. But yes. All, all those bands from, they were from there too, though. So that's pretty amazing as well. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, Duluth had a, a real good, uh, you know, Lowe came out of Duluth. They're not my cup of tea, but they made they made an impression. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. You were mentioning Minnesota about Minnesota in general has a lot of good music. You were mentioning your, uh, about the blues business. Now, I've always been intrigued about the blues because I remember I had talked to you back then, and when I was in blues, and it, I, I consider blues to be this entity that doesn't necessarily want to be promoted. It seems to like live by attracting people. And I've always, it, it, to me, it's always survived through all these other musical trends, but you're saying now the blues business is down. It, it, has it tra uh, changed a lot over the years or 
because you've well, been there. I think all types of, of uh, live music are down a little bit, but you know, now that the COVID thing is up, it's uh, people are starting to realize that it's really fun to hang out with other people and they, and they place more of a value on it. Yeah, I 100% I agree with, I align with that for sure. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's like, hey man, I can actually hang out with somebody and say hi, you know, it's great. And I think I enjoy the live music even more now. Like I'm there in the moment. I don't care about any, just because I've known for like the last year and a half or so, you've really not been able to do that. So it's like much more um, zen for me, you know, where I'm not thinking anything else. I'm just there with the music and whatever happens, happens. And when it ends, it ends. Yeah. Well, I'm with you on that. So Mark, did you go back to Chicago after you came up to Cotton? Or you were just yeah, there? After I after my stint with the Centerville All Stars, I uh, I moved to Chicago because I wanted to play there, and I did. I got a pretty good band together. With you know Chicago, they all do standards and they have a rotating cast of people. Kind of, they all do that. I played with like Mike Dotson and Bobby Hawks and Daryl Mahone. All, all great players, um, and it, it it had a real vibrant scene. A lot of the old guys were tipping over by then. But when was this? This was like I think uh, eighty nine, ninety. I, I was there for like five, five and a half so years. So were you playing like right downtown in Chicago, like with Buddy Guys Legends there then? Or I played Buddy Guys Legends, the, the, the Double Door, and. Yeah, I played Buddy Guys Legends. I played the Tip On In. I played Shades. Uh, I played, uh, what are some other ones? Uh, Double Door. Pools. And what was that one you mentioned? The Double Door? No, I never played there. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a real, you know, it was cool because I, I met everybody. I met all the people that were still around. Was it really, was it for you to come from Minnesota and go there, was it competitive or was it just, was there camaraderie? You were able to just get right into the scene? I did. I went down to, they had jam sessions at these clubs. Blues on Belmont uh, had a good one. So I, I just stopped down there, you know, I just checked out all the clubs. And I ran into some guys and they said, hey, you want to do something? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and that's, that's how I met everybody, really. Okay. Yeah. And it was so a what, lot of fun. What brought you back from there? I don't like living in a big city. Okay, right on. I just don't. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. You know, I, I see a lot of tragedy, man. Yeah. You really do. So I used to, I, I played at the Checkerboard Lounge a couple of times. Really? Wow, nice. Yeah. And, that, and then between that, you can't get, you can get a cab to drop you off, but you can't get a cab out of there. Yeah. In the middle of the night. When, so, uh, in 94, my first stone show, we went, we went there. Oh yeah. A little eye opening in the neighborhood. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Bad, bad neighborhood. Bars on windows and stuff like that. 80 yeah. degrees outside. <laughs> People burning tires in barrels and wearing <laughs> coats, <laughs> warm in <laughs> their hands. It's like, whoa. <laughs> but you, what you do is you just park where there's street lights all the way to your car. And uh, everybody had played music. They, they, 
they'd uh, put their money in their sock and have a throwaway tent in their wallet. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So and nobody ever bothered me ever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it happened, I guess. But Chicago was pretty cool. I saw a lot of great people, uh, Bark and Bill Smith. A lot of guys, people haven't really heard a lot about. He was a string bean of a man. I wrote a song about him called Every Dog Has His Day. I was just listening and, to that earlier. Oh, you were? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's about Bark and Bill Smith. Okay. He's a total character. He must have been part Zulu or something. He had <laughs> arms and legs like, like broomsticks. He's a very skinny man. He wore an ascot and his pants were always a little short. But man, that guy could sing. My favorite thing he used to sing that I liked was uh, Rainy Night in Georgia. It was just stellar. He used to play with uh, uh, Dave Spector and the Bluebirds. Okay. That was kind of the zenith of his career. Hmm. He's no longer with us. So let's get into when, like, you came back to Duluth. Like, at what time, you know, like, I met you in both barrels. So when did that band start? How did that band come together? It was the same band as the Virgil Kane band. Right, you're right. I know, yeah. Yeah, and that was, uh, I believe, about 20 years ago. So you saw us really, really early on. Okay. There was another band called Both Barrels in Minneapolis that didn't like the fact that we were using the name. I didn't sure. have any idea. But the guy came in and he goes, hey, check this out. They'd been around for a long time and they didn't play much anymore. So he flops down a couple of CDs, a couple of records few posters and he says you know i really don't like what you're doing i said well maybe you ought to come on up and jam so by the end of the night we were pals but out of respect for the, <laughs> sure. out of respect for those guys we changed the name yeah my band had to change their name too we were the rebel set and there was a rebel set out of tempe arizona and even though we were first they were trying to make a living off of their name so we 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 gave up the name and changed our name to ghost town silence hey that's pretty good yeah, not too shabby, not too shabby. That was the name of our first album, so we made the name of the band the first album. Okay. Yeah. But those guys yeah. from Arizona were bastards. We weren't friends with them at the end of the night. <laughs> no, you weren't, huh? Nope. <laughs> we wrote a song about them on one of our albums. <laughs> oh, good. That's that's sweet revenge. That's right. <laughs> so Yeah, um... That was, uh, that, was, that was a cool time. And then we had to change the name. And I wanted to call it Styles Bitchley. What's that but again, Mark? I wanted to call the band Styles Bitchley. Styles Bitchley. Nice. That sounds like a yeah. punk band. And I, I, got, I got that from this guy who was a bass player in Chicago, a black dude. And he either booked himself as Frank Sinatra or Styles Bitchley. And he was a total entertainer. And I called him up and asked him if I could use that name because he retired. And he goes, yeah, man, go ahead. But they didn't like it. So, Aww. yeah, I thought it was a killer. I, for sure. Well, would you come up with a virtual cane? Is that is that from the band song or is it like it is where are we coming with that? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I love a, that I, song. I know. I love the band is really I great. love the band. Yeah. It doesn't get any better than that, man. It really doesn't. It's one of my favorite all time. And the night they drove old Dixie down is such a, a classic. Yes, it is. I guess Virgil Kane was a folk hero that worked on the railroad. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, there's plenty of stories about him. And I know the name is mostly known from that song, unless you're from the South, which I am not. I'm a Yankee. So 
Yeah. Yeah, me too. You guys are you guys are really Yankees because you're way up north. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. We don't need I'm surprised I got a tan this summer. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, that was yes. From both barrels into Virgil Kane, like how has there been a lot of changes personnel wise or well we had uh the drummer, oddly enough, the drummer we have now was in both barrels. Okay. Mark Thompson. And he quit to play with this rock guy, Rondo. Yeah, right. And uh, so we got, we picked up this cat, Keith Fredrickson, mm -hmm. who can play anything you hand him. Mm -hmm. Kit notes only dogs can hear. He's a good and dude. And we needed a drummer. So he said, okay, I'll play drums for you. And we wrote songs. He co-wrote a lot of songs with me and his own. I, I got this <laughs> little slow, but I got a couple CDs for you right here. Right I mean, nice. in the morning. <laughs> but uh, yeah, then we got him and he played with us for a long time. And then he had to do a little stint in a prison. And I don't really want to get into why. <laughs> but uh, so we had to change again. So we got Mark Thompson back, the guy that was in both <laughs> barrels, the original guy. We got him back. So that's the only personnel changes we've really had. Until the until Tommy it, left? Or, yes, okay. until uh, until the guitar went. So your bass player, David Perdome, has been there from the beginning? Oh, yes. Right on. Yeah, Dave was there. Yeah, he and I kind of scared everybody up. You know, we, we found who we needed. I talked to him first, and then we talked to the, Tommy, who was a little reluctant because I divorced his sister some years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but you we got over the band. That. Yeah, everybody involved got got over it, including me. So. That's awkward, man. That's awkward. How, how long yeah. were you guys married? Five years. Five years. Man. Yeah, yeah. I was a bit of a wild man. <laughs> <laughs> she was a nice girl. I almost surrounded her. <laughs> she's, she's she's a sweetheart a total sweetheart but yeah um yeah we we had we got tommy and and then we uh picked up mark thompson and away we went and i was writing a lot then it was fun a lot of fun so what has been going on like a uh, pre-covid there in duluth and you know what has the scene been like like i left in 2008 like what you guys, like you said earlier, you've been playing constantly and you anticipate the same after, you know, I know everything's kind of getting back to normal, but. Yeah, we could, we could play a lot right now. I just, I just want to work the new guy in real good. I don't mm -hmm. want to go out there half baked, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know, before the, before the COVID thing, it was, it was flying. And uh now it's picking up, you know. There's places in Proctor. Well, that's is that where I met you, or was uh, it at the break room? No, I think it was at the Reef. Okay, yeah. Okay. Tell me the Reef, and then the Twins Bar. Yes, the Twins. Which I is remember the break room now. Yeah, it's the break room. Okay. We still play there. It's a lot of fun. And then now there's there's clubs around, but they're a lot of them kind of fell off the edge, you know. But they're starting to fire back up. Mm -hmm. it, the range is really great now. I, I like playing up there. Is there really, do you guys like when you play there? Are you playing like a blue set, or do you have to 
you know, do any specific covers or you can do what you want or. You know what? We don't do anything embarrassing, but we'll do some covers, you know, just because it gets them out of their chairs, you know, mm -hmm. but you know, we can, we can do a 90 minute blues show, all original stuff, which nobody does. We tell them that when we walk out, you know, mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to do all original stuff. If you like it, stick around. If you don't start a band of your own, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but there's there's places up there now. Riders, that's a biker bar in Virginia. Um, there's places up in Hoyt Lakes. It's a long way for the guys in, in Duluth. But we play Grand Rapids. We play Superior. We do a bunch of festivals, um, uh, street dances. People hire us. Bikers hire us a lot for parties. Mm -hmm. hmm. And then I don't drink anymore. So, you know, playing in a bar is not thrilled at me. Right. Usually at the end of the night, I just get the hell out of there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I hear you there. Yeah. But it, on Tower Avenue, is that like the same for uh, JC? You know, like Tower Avenue is like a main drag in Superior, Wisconsin. And it's like bar, 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 bar. They call me up and down. They're kind of cleaning it up and I don't yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's real nice and everything, but, you know, Bev's juke joint, Bev, Bev's no yeah. longer with us. That was a neat bar. Yeah. I may have met you there. Who knows? Yeah. And then uh, uh, the brass rail was pretty cool. That's no longer flying. Okay. Uh, the lamp, the lamp lighter. Uh, the there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I wasn't going to say that, but all right. It's a sleazy strip <laughs> bar. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, Superior's got an edge on it that's kind of cool. <laughs> I did a lot of nights at the Brass Rail. Jeez. But, uh, yeah, and the Cove, I, th yeah. I don't think that's still open. The Third Rock? Third Rock's gone. Okay. Rondo. That was Rondo, like Rondo's home bar, bar, right? Yeah, that was Rondo's bar, and he, uh, he fell asleep smoking a cigarette and burnt himself up. Oh. No with us. Yeah. Real sad. He was, he was a true rock and roll guy, man. I never met a more rock and roll guy than that guy. Pretty crazy guy. But uh, yeah, the, the the scene's coming back. And then there's a lot of uh, duo stuff and single stuff, you know. And there's a there's another bar that's kind of up and coming called the Caddyshack in uh, Duluth. It's pretty cool. And RTs is still there. It wasn't what it was, you know. There used mm -hmm. to be a bunch more. Yeah. But surrounding cities are picking up the slack. That's good. I mean, we want music and, and entertainment to come back, right? We, we need these places that want to have it. Heck yeah, really. Well, it's all supply and demand, you know. And people, you know, if they like what you're doing, they'll stick around, you know. Sure. There's not as much drinking as it used to be since the big crackdown, but that's eh, what it is. The big crackdown on drinking? Oh, man. They started doing, I remember the day they started doing roadside checks. Uh, they'd run you through and stick their nose yeah. in your car, you know? Yeah. They, they made that illegal, but that that's when things started to take a little dip, you know? People like to go out, but they don't, you know, and then they got these giant TVs and stuff they can sit home and be sure. a couch potato. But that's right. kind of lost its appeal since COVID. 
Nobody wants that's, to stay in the house. That's mm. you know, COVID was a blessing in disguise in, in very few one. areas, but this is one of them. Yes, you're absolutely right. Like I said earlier, I know when I do go out and I do go out in a safe manner, I'm enjoyed a lot more and appreciative of a lot more now because of the last year and a half. I know. Yeah, I, I place more of a value on it myself. Yeah, you know, it's not, don't take it for granted because you don't know when it's going to go away. That's right. Yeah. So, Mark, uh, we always ask the artists, like, uh, what other artists do you think that we might like that, you know, I mean, now here specifically in the blues, you know, besides the ones we already know, everybody knows, Walter Trout and Samantha Fish and Bonamassa and Tommy Castro and Tavern Fish. You know, like, do, are you still in contact with anybody in Chicago and Minneapolis or like, like, who is someone you think that would knock our socks off that we may not have heard of? It's your, you know, you know who Carlos de Tarlos is. Yeah, Carlos yeah, Carlos. Yeah. He was uh, he was in uh, uh, Top Jimmy's band in, yeah. in in L.A. Top Jimmy. We I I've tried to get a hold of some people that 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 knew Top Jimmy because he's pretty much a legend there in North Hollywood. I think is where yeah. it was at. Yeah, who it was? Uh, 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 what's his name that knew knows everybody? Every drummer that we had on Jason that knew Carlos Guitarlos. Uh Why can't we think of his name? I don't know. We talked to a dude uh, in South Cal, South uh, Southern Cal that that knew Carlos too. Carlos. Oh, that was Fab. Yeah, Fabrizio. Fabrizio Grossi. <laughs> These great, great names. Yeah, yeah Carlos. Yeah. Carlos is a killer, man. He's one of my favorite songwriters. Yeah. We, in fact, we did a song of his for a few years called Two Tavern Town." Mm-hmm. It was great. It was about a lonely guy rolling into town and he sees this nice lady and he offers to buy her a drink. That's just all it's about. To Tavern Town. To Tavern Town. And, uh, you know, uh, that guy, I forget his first name, Hildago, the guy that's in... Uh, um, Los Lobos. Um, yeah, Los Lobos called him a genius. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a killer songwriter. Huh. Yeah, he's so he's so good. I, I appreciate Brian, get him. Get, get <laughs> Did Carlos, you meet him, Carlos? Did you know him? Did you ever meet him? No, no, no I okay. never knew him. Uh, my buddy from Chicago moved out to LA. Uh, Bobby Hawks. Okay. Knew him. And uh he says, Hey man, he goes, he calls me up. There's a bunch of blabbering smoke going on. He goes, check this out. He holds his phone up and it was Carlos Guitarlos. He goes and I'll have him, I'll call him back. Maybe you can talk to him. He never did. He had a buzz. (laughs) (laughs) Anything of the sort. I was waiting by the phone. Yeah. I don't know who else. Um, Jeez. Uh, I don't know. If I think of somebody, something comes to mind. Carlos is my guy, though. He's good. Right on. Hey, Jason, is it that time of the show? Uh, is it Brian? Is it time for the so. lightning round? We do a lightning Uh-oh. round just to fun questions. Mark, okay. are you able to stick around with us and do some very quick, easy questions? Sure. All right, these are fun. Don't overthink them. First stuff that comes in your head, okay? Yeah. What's your first concert you ever went to? Uh, it would have to be uh, Louis Armstrong. Okay, on your dad's shoulders there. Yeah. What's the first concert you ever played? 
I played a, oh boy. I played a day, I played a thing over at a college with a big horn band out of San Francisco. I can't remember their name. Where were you, where were you in college? Oh, we were playing there. I wasn't going to college. Oh, God. We okay. You're over to college. college. Yeah. It was their, their big song was uh, Don't Change Horses in the Middle of the Stream. I can't remember their name now. Okay. Yeah. What's the first record you remember owning? The first record I remember owning was a Bo Diddley record that my uncle left when he came to visit. He left a Bo Diddley record and a Ma Jamal record and uh, a Pearl Bailey album. In wow. Ireland. Yeah. yeah, heck really yeah. Well, no wonder you got into blues music and so you had all these great influences and, and uh, shows that you saw at a young age. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know whether I should thank my grandfather or curse his name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still doing it. And your grand, so your grandfather was a musician, but your dad wasn't really keen on you doing that? My dad doesn't know the difference, didn't know the difference between music and an idling car motor. He liked to dance. Yeah. But, uh, he, he, yeah, he didn't. He didn't like what I was doing. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, he did. All he right. didn't care much for it. He wanted, you know. He was a executive for Kimberly Clark, pretty high up the ladder, mm. and he thought that maybe I was wasting my time. Ah, well, you know, everybody's got their own gig, and they got to go what makes them happy in life. You know. Yeah, that's right. I think so. What's your dad do? He's retired now, but he was an elementary school principal for like. 36, 37 years. I bet you weren't getting away with much. Oh, God. Every teacher and administrator knew me. But sometimes that worked to my favor because people would pull me out of class or talk to me and let me get by with little things. But, yeah, I could, you know, if I did anything really bad, he would know about it. Uh, <laughs> when I was younger, his role, uh, his role, he would always tell me, is like, if they're going to paddle you at school, they're going to call me, and I'm going to come paddle you first. <laughs> oh, boy. Not good. <laughs> Luckily, that never happened. That never yeah. happened. But uh, yeah. I am not in public education, although I love public education. I'm a big supporter of it. But, you know, my dad allowed me to follow my own path in life, much like, you know, it's a good thing. Yeah. But he loves blues music. And that's one of the reasons why I like music is all the stuff he used to play, rock music and blues and Clapton and Hendrix yeah. and all, you know, all sorts of stuff growing up. And uh Yeah. Yeah. So with your band of, uh, I'm now I'm interviewing you. Was That's you, good. Was, was your band blues influenced? No, we're like so. It's funny. We were originally starting the band as more of a rockabilly band, and then when we started getting the guys in, writing our own music, it turned more Americana sounding, like alt country Americana, like Tom Petty ish, but with some punk or uh, country elements, yeah. or you know. Um, it's, a, it's not really definable. It's depending on the songs you listen to. Some songs have horns on it. We have a song with a trombone solo. We have a second, our second album is very keyboard driven. So it's like, it's just whatever we're doing, man. That's cool. What instrument do you play? Guitar. Nice. Oh, yes. Yes. Very nice. But I do our, I do our rhythm guitar and our slide guitar stuff. And we've got a really good lead player and two vocalists, our bass player and our, our lead guy, our vocalists and the drummer and, we have fun. You know, we do it. We do it just for fun. It's not a it's not anything that we you know we're making a living on, but we enjoy it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Beats playing golf. Yes, it does. <laughs> I'm not a sports guy myself. 
I, I was a sports guy. I started music late in life. I always loved music, but I earned, earned, learned an instrument later, and I'm still learning an instrument now. But, you know, we make it work. Yes. Never, <laughs> yet, never. Who was that guy? Uh, he, was a, he, was a, he was a violin player, one of the top ones in the world. And, and a guy asked him, well, why do you still practice every day? And he goes, well, he says, I think it's starting to make a difference. <laughs> 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 that was my reaction. Mine would have been the opposite. I still practice every day, but I don't think it's making a difference. <laughs> my wife and, and my son are very naturally musical. They both played the piano really well. Yeah. And, uh, and my daughter, like, she has musical ability. Like, she picked up guitar and man and uh, and uh, um, ukulele and stuff, and she gets she gets around on the the piano and plays stuff and. She has no interest in lessons or just doing it, but she, it, it snaps with her. I'm like, God, like I have zero natural music ability and like my three family members all can do stuff. So, yeah. Hey, lucky them. Right. I tried to get my son to play keys in the band. He was no, he just wants to play classical shit. I'm like, come on, man, play rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got a son and I bought him a bass amp and a bass and I tried to talk him into it, you know. And he, him and his pals got a band together called Speed Wiener that was kind of amusing. Speed Wiener? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he lost interest. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll take my son these pieces like Descending by the Black Crows, Brian, or like Home Sweet. I'm like, listen to these songs. These are cool. Learn to play them. Nah, not interested in doing it. So. Yeah. What are you going to do? People go their own way. They and exactly right. Like no, no pressure or anything, but I'm like, man, like, yeah, you guys, you guys are good. Especially my daughter who picks up stuff. I'm like, why aren't you like getting music lessons or doing something? Cause you can do this, but nah, you know? Yeah. And my brother's kind of like that too. He came, I he just came get envious. At a gig. He came up one time at a gig and uh, did uh, scratch my back, which is spoken. It was perfect. Really? So I know you can do that. <laughs> you should have started your own brother's band so you guys can brawl like all the other brother's bands. <laughs> nah, me and Johnny get along great. <laughs> well, good thing you didn't join a band together then. Yeah. All right. Harmonica question, harp question. What is the what is the right key? What is the best key harmonica to have? There is no best key. There's a few I don't like. Like what? I don't like playing an F key, an F harp, because they're real high and squeaky. John Mayo played it on Room to Move. Uh, but now they make a low F harp. It's an octave lower. But it takes, you got to have lungs the size of garbage pan, cans to pull that much wind. Sure. But it, mostly I just, uh, I guess the, my favorite one would probably be a A harp. Okay. The key of E. Yeah, because I mean that's a lot. That's pretty standard blues tuning, right? You know, I mean that's yeah. I carry four harps to a gig. Okay. I carry an E, I carry a D harp, I carry a C harp, and I carry a, a G. Yeah. So and I play second position. So that's it. so it's the bands in the key of E, the bands in the key of A, the bands in the key of G, and the bands in the key of D. So. Is your guitar so, player normally playing? Are they? Is he playing open at all and stuff like open G, open D, anything for? Yeah. The 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 guy that left it. The guy I have now is is a real kind of a cerebral, more cerebral guy, 
Yeah. And I, I was a little reluctant because he's, I, I, I heard him play in a metal band and I thought, I don't know, you know, I never heard a metal guy. Yeah, but those metal guys are like the most classically trained, like best musicians usually. Yeah, but sometimes for blues, they don't get the right tone or the right approach, you know? And I, and I just told him, I said, you know, I'm never going to tell you what to do, but, you know, if you could try exploring some tones that were different, he said, that'd be great. I told him once and he got it just like that. So I was real happy about that. Well, that's cool, man. You know, and you can always work on the finger tapping and the, uh, you know, um, some shredding if you ever need to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some, you know, add some sweet picking, do something, some, you know, yeah, some whammy like bar it. dives. <laughs> I think it's less Paul's. I think it's less Paul's I don't like. Yeah. With hot pickups in them. They sound like violins. <laughs> oh, for sure. So this this TV yellow one I have over my right shoulder here is a um, uh, Les Paul Special uh, Junior. Uh, it's got yeah. P90s in it. Sounds great. You can play anything with the P90, right? Yeah, those it's are not, nice. I know what they yeah, are. Yeah, I mean, it sounds good for blues. It sounds good for rock. It's um, yeah. very versatile. But yeah, I, mean, I know what you're talking about with like those hot rod humbuckers, like those high gain ones. It is. Yeah. Sing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. But you're not wearing the bandolier like John Popper and throwing all your your harps up up through our no, there, are you? No, I wouldn't. Do that. <laughs> I just can't go there. <laughs> I can't do it. I mean, I'm, you know, you'd see him with that, and like, you can't possibly like. It's just there, there's only so many keys these things come in, right? Yeah. Well, you can break them, but you know, they're expensive, man. And I figured sure. out how to play them so I don't ruin them. Yeah. I'll get a set of harps. They'll last me if I'm playing a lot. They'll last me like a two and a half months i got i got literally a garbage can full of dead ones yeah yeah so who do you think the, is the best modern day harp player right now the best modern day harp player it's a toss-up between kim wilson uh, from the thunderbirds and west side andy from reverend raven and the chain smoke and altar boys i've never heard of that band but brian i'm going oh. to check out that band check you that band out they're playing blues and they're doing it right and that harp player is a monster yeah yeah. Who's the greatest all-time harp player? I just have to go with Little Walter. There you go. Okay. Yeah, 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 for sure. And uh, I kind of like I kind of like uh, Kim Wilson too, but Little Walter is really something. Yeah, for sure. So, who do people think is a good harp player that actually isn't? John Popper. <laughs> <laughs> you had you had that teed up like that was instantaneous. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. That's just too much for me. All right. Hey, you know what? Subjective. Fair enough. You know. But you know what? A lot of people like him, and he's a talented guy. Just well, for sure, for sure. But he's his style of harmonica playing is a little bit different than what you and the the blues guys and all. You know, even really most of the rock guys do. Yeah, yeah. He's got his own thing going. Yeah, for sure. Um, have you other? bathed in the cold water of Lake Minnetonka. Yes, I have. I fell out of a boat there one time. <laughs> How did you fall out of a boat? Oh, there's some beer involved. Uh, of course. <laughs> what, were you cold? Was it enough beer where you weren't cold when you fell in? Yeah, that's right. I was young enough, so it wasn't all that embarrassing. Isn't um, Lake Minnetonka where Prince tricked uh, what's her face in the bathing in and left her all there in the, in the uh, Purple Rain movie? Never saw it. 
You never saw Perp. Come on, man. That's my, my girlfriend, my girlfriend Mary, she is wild about Prince, and she yeah. keeps threatening to screen that for me over, over at her house. I'm gonna have so, to do that. I'm gonna be honest about that movie. The movie, the movie as a movie, it, it sucks. The plot's stupid. The acting's pretty bad overall, but the musical performances make that movie. So I've seen it enough times. I just fast forwarded the music, like. A Morris Day and the Time is great, and all the stuff with yeah. Prince is great. And I, but the acting is not good, and the plot's not good. But watch the musical performances. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. You know, just you know, tell her you'll watch it with her, but you have to fast forward to the music parts. I'll sit through the cheese. I'll, I'll do it. it. It's it is it's it's cheesy. It is really really cheesy. So, you know, <laughs> okay. you, you, you can make comments like the other Minnesota like staple. Mystery Science Theater 3000. You could just oh, play yeah. Mystery, you know? That's great. There's there's great shit out of Minnesota, Brian. And now that we that think about Minnesota, it, a lot really? of cool bands. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, they were out of um, right next to Minneapolis. Um, oh, crap. Where, where, where was their prairies? Prairie something. Eden Prairie? Uh, Eden Prairie? Eden? Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. I had no idea. You know, yep. uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say something. I lost it. <laughs> well, anyways, we have Husker Du, Prince, Replacements, um, is um, Soul Asylum, oh, Jayhawks. Soul Asylum, there we go. Jayhawks, yeah. You got Metro Mark and his Altar, band. They were another good yeah. band. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. You know, it's a treasure. And it's not, you know, it's a musical treasure and many lakes. Babes and Toyland. Um, yeah. Wow, that's an old band. Babes in Toyland. They were like a metal band or something, weren't they, Brian? Well, they were like, like I think they were kind of like whole kind of grunge. Yeah, Courtney yeah, grunge like a Minneapolis. yeah, female. Yeah, that's that sounds right. Okay, um, um we get distracted on, on the lightning round a lot. It happens. That's what's that's what's fun about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> got off on the print stuff. Uh, what is your favorite musical venue to play in? My favorite musical venue to play in is that little little club in Duluth called RT Quinlan's. What makes it what makes it your favorite? It's just got great ambiance and the room sounds wonderful. Okay. Instead of you it's walk great. downstairs, it's like in a basement. Yeah. And the stage is like all out. the way to one side. Yeah, and it's got a big stone wall, a mm -hmm. real stone wall around on the stage. It's just a, it's a cool venue. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Sounds good. If I'm ever in your neck of the woods, I will definitely check that out. Do that. Give me a call too. I'll, certainly, certainly, we can go out and have like a lemonade or iced tea together. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> Since you don't drink, and I'm, you know, I don't have to drink. How's that? Oh, I don't mind if people drink, man. I I don't drink. I buy people drinks all the time. <laughs> all right, deal. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll call you up. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, multiple choice question. Memphis Blues, Texas Blues, Chicago Blues. Chicago Blues. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. Just from where you're from? I just like it because, you know, all those guys came up from that five. Most of those guys that were that wound up there after World War II came out of a five-county area in Mississippi. And, and uh, they just had a way with it that was fantastic. And just it's going to stand the test of time. Yeah. I, it's just my cup of tea. That's really. it. And it is personal preference, right? People like Texas blues, 
Memphis Blues, yeah. Chicago Blues. And I always like to ask our blues artists that question because I'm always curious. Yeah. Yep. You know, one day yeah, somebody's going to say like uh, North Dakota Blues or South Dakota Blues, Brian, or Wyoming Blues. Uh, I'm not going to hold my breath on that. <laughs> the, the North Dakota or uh, Grand Forks doesn't have a blues band, huh? Uh, not that I know of. There's a gal, there's a girl out of Bismarck, uh, Jennifer Lynn. Jennifer Lynn and the, the Groove Kings. Okay. That's well, the only thing I can think of. You know, you got to start, you got to start somewhere. And that's yeah. the start. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to visit you in Cotton or Duluth, Minnesota. Where do you recommend I go to eat? I would go to... Uh, that's a tough one. Mm, there's a, off of 27th, there's a, there's an organic diner there and I can't remember the name of it, damn it. Or Wusso's, uh, Wusso's, uh, is a coffee house and they have great food. Okay. I like to eat there. Like yeah. breakfast food, lunch food. What are we talking? They got lunch and dinner there. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any, like walleye, we're doing local like fish stuff. What do we got? There's all kinds of stuff there. I don't know. I I I'm a I mostly eat fish and chicken, and I mostly cook it myself. I just dive yeah. into town and I do my thing and I come home. <laughs> but uh, Blackwater's good. That's a good place. Okay. They got it pretty much covered. Uh, yeah. Oh, and then uh, another place that I really like is Spoons. This guy, this guy, Spoon Witherspoon, um, was uh, playing with uh, either Prince or one of his project bands, and he decided he, the guy's a phenomenal keyboard player and sings like a bird, and he's got a little restaurant, a soul food restaurant on the west side. That's where I'd go. Oh, now you're talking my language. Yeah, and it's the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. All right, sold. When I'm there, point me out in the right direction. I'm going. I can do that. What is the craziest thing that's ever happened to you in your years playing out live in Torin? Uh, I caught a trumpet player in a bus one time going through my suitcase, <laughs> looking for God knows what. <laughs> And uh, I uh, gave him a fat lip, and he went. He got on a greyhound and went home the next morning. No explanation at all? Just he was going through your stuff? Yeah. I, he was looking for goodies. That was, uh, in, the, that was in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, fair enough. We try not to, you know, uh, pinpoint crimes on this podcast. We like to talk in very... <laughs> Other the statute of limitations, I'm sure is gone, but still, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, what What is a band or artist, modern day band or mar artist, right now that just kind of blows you away when you hear him play? Um, you know, I like that guy. I like that guy that's on the late night show. The black guy that uh, I think it's on Colbert. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I know. I uh, got it. What is his name? I know exactly who you're talking about. That guy's cool. Young cat yeah. plays piano. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, he, I like him. He, he had his own gig going on before he got the sh with with uh, Colbert, didn't he? Yeah, he did. 
and now I can't remember his name because I, I, I can see it. I can see it in like the. Um, I know you're talking about. All right. Yeah, you right had on. kind of a hit going on, and it had one foot in the blues, and I thought, yeah, man, do that. Yeah, he's. I think he's just a stellar musician. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, another multiple choice question. Yeah. Beatles, Stones, Zeppelin. Stones. All right. I know you said you're a Stones guy. I figured that's where you're going to go on that one. Yeah. You got a yeah. favorite album from them? Uh, favorite Beggar's song? Banquet. Oh, of course. Beggar's you can't go wrong with Beggar's Banquet, XL on Main Street, Sticky Fingers. Yeah, like, that you know. was fantastic. But I still like them right now. You know what? That that blues album they did a couple years back, that cover album, yeah. super, super good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they did a song. They did a uh, Jagger did some stuff with the Red Devils. Have you ever heard that? No, Ryan, you're you're the Stones guy. Have you heard that? I haven't. You know who the Red Devils are? I've heard of no the idea. Red Devils, but I'm not. Oh, that heart player, man. He's a badass. He'd, he'd be my he would have been my favorite guy, but you know, he's no longer with us. But uh, heroin got him, but oh my yeah. God, that was a great band. Huh. Well, yeah. now we got two bands to check out now, Brian, or at least I do. Yeah, check out the Red Devils. You'll be shocked. They're really, uh, the guitar player's 19 years old and he's like, holy cats. Really? Man. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Really, 19. Really but uh, Jagger loved those guys and he did a few songs with them on a recording. All right, Jagger and the Red Devils, Brian. Come on, that that is right, right where your wheelhouse is. I'll check it out. All right, Mark. What's a guilty pleasure music song or artist for you? Uh, I'd have to say Nat King Cole. I like his big, stuff. Yeah, like the old like jazz big band because he was kind yeah. of yeah. Yeah, when I when I want to learn harmonica stuff, I, I try not to copy other harmonica players. I go straight to the big band stuff in that kind of that kind of era, you know. It's it's all there. Nice. All there. I like it. And I've also there's nothing new under the sun. I've lifted stuff, sections of that, and put it in blues songs that I wrote. You were inspired <laughs> by other people's music. That's right. Yes. Totally. <laughs> We don't steal. We bought. We are inspired by. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> All right. Last question if, of lightning round. If you could play with any artist for one night, living or dead, who would it be? Um, probably Muddy Waters. Yeah. Would you play harp? Would you sing? Would you do both? What were you looking to do? I'd play harp. Yeah, of yeah. course. And just let him let him go. Oh man, I just like to be that close to him while he was playing. Any particular song that you'd like, man? We got to play that song. Uh I got my mojo working. It's a great one. Uh, Hoochie Coochie Man, I really dig that. Yeah, one. of course, right? That's a classic. Yeah, all his songs are classics. You know. You know, I I don't know if I'd like to do a steady diet of it, but I sure do like it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, you can't look, and as a blues guy, I got, you know, you've done blues for a lot of years. I don't think you can go wrong with choosing him to go up on stage with one time. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, 
you never know with all this new technology and people seem to be <laughs> resuscitated back from the dead and they do this. <laughs> it may happen play, for you. I'd be thrilled to play with a hologram of Muddy Waters. That's what I'm talking about, right? All the hologram, <laughs> that creepy hologram stuff now that everybody yeah. does. You never know. You never know. Yeah, yeah pretty cool. <laughs> all right. Hey, thanks for being on. Where do we go to find out more about Virgil Kane? Website, Facebook, what do we got? We got Facebook, Virgil Kane's on Facebook, and Virgil Kane Online is our website. VirgilKaneBand.com, is that correct? Is that what Maybe I'm saying? Maybe that's here? what it is. I've never looked at it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, very nice website, guys. If you're interested, go check out Virgil Kane and Mark's stuff. Great. Uh, they've got merch, they've got their band events up there. All you need to know, like them on, follow them on Facebook. Um, do you have a YouTube page or anything like that you want people to go check you out? Nope. Nope. So Facebook and virtualcaneband.com. Brian? Well, you can search for Virgil Kane on, on YouTube. There's some stuff will come there. up, but he doesn't have a channel. There's whatever though. that show is from Duluth. I forget the name of Boku Frequency has been on there too. I saw oh, it. yeah. There's, there's some, you know, the thing of it is, is that somebody can get you on a bad night or they, their stuff's not working right, you know? You're not oh, yeah. stuck with it. <laughs> the Playlist is the name of that show. The Playlist, oh, all right. Yeah. That's cool. That was a while ago. And so John Batiste is the name of the piano player? Yeah, there is you that, go. Yeah, yeah, John, so you guys are talking yes. Yep. Well, yes. Mark, thank you so much for being on. It was great to reconnect with you. Uh, I had a lot of good times chatting with you guys in between sets and, and hanging out. It was great. Um, so everybody check out Mark Howley from uh, Virgil Kane Duluth Bass Band playing around in the region. You will not be disappointed. They're absolutely fantastic. So thanks, Mark, for coming on. If you would uh, just hang out with us for a couple minutes after we get done rolling, that would be great. Yeah, cool. All right, man. Thanks for being on. My pleasure. Thank you so much uh, to Mark Hawley for joining us here on the podcast. It was great for me. I got to reconnect with him. Uh, I had a lot of good times uh, watching those guys play when they were both barrels. Uh, seen him at the Reef and the Twins Bar and Bev's Juke Joint. And it was just uh, great great to reconnect with him. And especially it's great to hear uh, some of that deep knowledge about the blues. Um, like I said. All the we, people he's played with and know. And like everybody has a cool ass nickname too. Like right, that's the best right, part, right? Right, yeah. Like, People don't you have know. nicknames like that anymore. It's kind of sad. And it's great that, you know, we, we, when we've had, we had Sonny Mormon on from your neck of the woods and then having yep. Mark on and just getting some more blues people, you know, because we have been more heavier on the Southern rock part of it. So it's, it's just been great. Um, yeah. I don't know. Great guy builds houses, works on motorcycles. Good heart player, good singer. He's been around, seen Hilarious. it. He's never seen the movie Purple Rain, though. But you know, we got to <laughs> remedy think I've that. I've never seen that all the way through. Come on, dude. Come I've on. probably seen parts of it. You have I mean, homework. <laughs> I realize how uh, awesome of an artist Prince, Prince is. I got no illusions about that. I don't know. I just. I don't know. I, I don't know why I never watched that or never. I mean, again, it's not a great movie by any right. any means. The musical performances are really awesome, uh, but if you lived in Minnesota for any extended period of time, yeah. you have to see that movie. Right. It's part. It's part of your culture, yep. man. Right. 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 You know. But anyways, like it was. I was so happy that you had the chance to talk like local music in places you've been because it's. We've had a lot of podcasts where people have known Ohio stuff. Well, you know, and we've course, gotten into it. 
of course, everybody knows, you know, the music that's come out of Minneapolis. And yeah. I think they've always had a decent blues scene there. And, and a lot of those bands will come come through, you know, Grand Forks, which is 80 miles north of here. Um, mm-hmm. Duluth has a really big blues festival every year called Bayfront Blues Festival. And I've been to that plenty of times. And uh, some of the local artists, they did, uh, Virgil Kane played there once. And that was after I left town. But okay. um, so, you know, they get a lot of good uh, uh, blues artists. Uh, coming through Duluth too and, and like I said when I lived there there was a really good scene um, so cities like that obviously Minneapolis and, and uh, Duluth there in that area in Minnesota has got more stuff going on. Yep you know the Minnesota blues scene who knew. <laughs> right who knew who knew who knows who knew and uh, we'll figure that out until then always remember Southern Rock is reverent blues is blood we'll see you next time.
his day. Funding for The Playlist is provided by the citizens of Minnesota through the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund and by viewers like you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.